Welcome to the Nimrod Outdoors podcast, where we challenge and equip men, husbands, and fathers to become the spiritual leaders of the home. Let's dive right in. Well, what's going on, guys? We got another episode of the Nimrod Outdoors podcast. My name is M.A. Dozier, and I am glad to be with you. Um, I know we said we were going to bi-weekly, and this is actually dropping three weeks after our last one. Uh, the Dozers are still trying to get into the routine of a newborn, uh, so we apologize for that. But please give us grace as we continue to try and get into a routine. Uh, but currently, I am sitting here watching it snow, uh, which is an amazing thing here in North Georgia. Uh, we do not get it very often, and so uh, the serene beauty of just watching uh, the ground turn white um, and birds out flying and red cardinals flying through the trees, uh, it has been a great day so far uh, watching our kids play in it um, and seeing the joy in their eyes and their uh, just laughter uh, has been a really awesome thing today. Um, and so by the time you listen to this, I'm pretty sure the snow will be well melted, um, but um Today I want to talk to you about something uh, that kind of is, uh, it's something that just got brought up to my attention. Um, this past week I was sent a letter, uh, actually Nimrod Outdoors was sent a letter from a partnering church of ours um, that uh, we have a, both both the uh, senior pastor and executive pastor are dear friends of ours um, and they sent us a letter of encouragement um, and in that letter um, the very first thing it says, uh, keep an audience of one. And the verse that came along with it that they put on there was Hebrews 12, 2. And it says this, we do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates perfect and perfects our faith because of the joy awaiting him. He endured the cross disregarding its shame. And now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. Um, and so I, I, it has a whole lot of other scripture that came with this, but man, just that, that statement of keep an audience of one. And so it really got me to thinking, you know, about what drives my decisions and how I define success, uh, not only in ministry, but as me as a husband and a father um, and leading my family well. And so how do I define success? Like what, what do I look at and what metrics do I define the success of my life? Uh, after uh, and as also what do I how do I define the success of the ministry of Nimrod Outdoors um, and so like do I define this success by numbers like how many people come through our ministry in a given year um, do I f- f- define success by the funding that our ministry gets um, is is the bank account is is how how big of a bank account and how many people believe in us on a financial spectrum is that define does that define our success um, or do I define my success by others opinions um, and these are all questions on the ministry side and on the personal side I I think you know I look at it and I'm like okay I start seeing people um, that I look up to that are, are godly men and I, and I look at what they're doing and how they're doing things and um, how they're interacting with their family and their wives and their children, how they're interacting with other people, uh, what they're doing on a daily basis that makes them godly in my eyes. Um, and am I comparing myself to them and saying, okay, they're doing this. I got to be doing this. Um, or if we have an audience of one, Am I defining my success purely by my obedience to the will of God? 
So I'm going to ask that question again. Are we defining our success by a metric in which the world has to offer? Or are we defining our success in this world by solely by the obedience to the will of God in our lives? You know, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says this. It says, trust the Lord with all your heart and do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. And so really, I got I to gotta ask myself, I got to look inside myself and say, am I seeking God's will in everything I do? Or am I looking at what someone else is doing in the world that I deem being uh, a godly person uh, or a successful person? And am I saying, well, they're doing it and they are, for all intents and purposes and from the outside looking in, successful and godly. So I need to be doing that. Um, but if we really get into really just the depths of what it means to have an audience of one. Well, the audience of one is, is God and God alone. And so if we're looking at the approval of others or we're looking at how other people are doing things so we could match the life with them, am I really having an audience of one in my life? So here's a big question. And this is the question that I've had to mull over in my mind ever since I've got this, this letter. Um, and it's this, if God told you to do something that had no foreseeable outcome, or you did not see any production value from it, would you do it, and for how long would you do it? Also, would you still obey if there was no visible change? So if God came to you and said, hey, uh, M.A., I want you to go stand in that corner uh, with your face against the wall and uh, stand there till I tell you to no longer be there. What would our natural reaction be? Well, I know mine would be ask, well, why? why? Why am I doing this? I think every one of us asks that question all the time. Like someone asks us to do something, we're like, okay, why? Um, and in reality, in the spectrum of our, our society, like in work and all that, like that's a good thing. Like we need to know why we're doing something so that uh, it gives purpose to it or it brings, um, you know, we can see if we're actually succeeding or not. If we don't know why we're doing something, then it's kind of hard to understand the purpose behind it. Uh, and I know, I know, you know, there's an age old age old saying that says just because we've always done it that way doesn't mean it's the best way and so it's built into our society to ask the question why it's built into our church culture i know so many times uh i was on staff at a church and and many many staff meetings we sat there and rolled over things of saying why are we doing this what is the purpose behind this and so i do think asking why is a good thing but when it comes to sheer obedience to god when we ask that question, why, if he, if he told me to go stand in a corner and I said, why, and his sole response is because I told you to, would I go do it? Would I be obedient to God and just doing what he has simply asked me to do? You know, I, I, I got to thinking about that question and man, it just like kind of rocks my brain as far as, um, as a man and as a husband, as a father, I am so driven to production. Uh, I, I want to know that I'm producing something and that I'm providing uh, in many, many realms, in the spiritual realm, in the physical realm. Uh, I, want, I want my kids to know that I want to be producing love for them. I want to be producing affectionate for them. I want to be producing opportunity um, and, and just overall health and wellness uh, to my family. And so I look at that and, and you can pretty easily see going through your day like, okay, I'm providing this, I'm providing that, I'm not providing this, I need to work on that. Um, but when it comes to just obeying the will of the Lord, 
how do we how do we actually know that we are doing that and are we expecting basically God to ask us to do things where other people can say and look at our lives and say well they are following the will of the Lord well if I go stand in a corner would our society today say that he is that I am being productive or would they say that I am being lazy or I'm I'm doing something that is pointless well our society would say I'm doing something pointless but ultimately if God commanded me to go stand in a corner then that that is doing the will of the Lord and so I really got to thinking about things and, and really diving into Scripture. And, you know, you talk about the prophet Jeremiah, and they call him the weeping prophet. And why do they call him the weeping prophet? Is because uh, Scripture says he preached for 40 years, and there was no visible change in the hearts of the people. There was actually even not even recorded one person that, that changed their life to Christ because of Jeremiah's preaching. And so was Jeremiah successful in his ministry? You know, would the church today call Jeremiah successful? Would I call Jeremiah successful? You know, if he kept just doing the same thing over and over and over and there was no visible change, you know, to be honest with you, I'd be like, man, like, come on, dude, like figure something else out. Like, obviously this isn't working, so you got to do something else. But Jeremiah was steadfast and he stood firm on the call of, of, of God in his life to preach the gospel. And it didn't matter the outcome, because that God didn't tell him he had to have a, a certain outcome. God just told him to preach. And so that's what Jeremiah was doing. And in reality, it comes down to the fact that we need to trust God in all things, even if we don't have the understanding behind it. And so Jeremiah, his production or his, the, you know, what value he brought to the world was really not reliant on his shoulders. It was reliant on God, but he was just needing to be faithful in God's calling in his life. And so if I'm honest, you know, I get caught up personally in the world's version of success. You know, I com- compare myself to other, our, our ministry to other ministries. I compare myself as a man to other men. Um, and when I start playing the comparison game, I find myself getting trapped in two different places. The first place I find myself trapped in is I feel like I'm not measuring up. And so like it gives me a sense of, you know, kind of I'm down. I'm like, man, I'm, I'm not I'm not producing as well as I should be. I'm not doing the things that I should be like this guy over here is absolutely killing it. I mean, he is like making things happen with his spiritual life and with his business life and things seem to be going great. And so I get trapped in this comparison game and I, and I find myself not measuring up. And then the second trap I find myself in is because of that, I start pushing harder and harder and harder to try and move myself, move my family, move this ministry in a direction uh, that I think we should go, but maybe it was never meant to go. And I can remember as a kid playing baseball, my dad always would say this. He said, good is the enemy of great. And so when we start comparing and striving to do things that others are doing, because we think that that is the path to success, we are eliminating the one key piece that truly leads to success, and that's God's will. And are we in tune, and are we doing what God's asked us to do, or are we doing what other people are doing, because that's how our world defines success, or, or we see that and we want to attain that? Um, and those, those are hard questions we have to wrestle with as men, um, because I think of a lot of times, like even in my own life, I, I don't think that 
looking at other men and seeing their habits that are godly and trying to mirror those habits are a bad thing. I mean, Paul even said, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Um, but at the end of the day, what God is calling that man to do may not be what God is calling me to do. And we need, we need to be very in tune with that because we are all the body of Christ. And scripture says that we are all the body, but many members and each member has its own, um, its own job to do. And so if, if we always look at someone who say is the, the arm of the body of Christ, and we all strive to just be the arm because we see that being successful, then the body has no feet to move so that the arm could actually do what it needs to do. And so we need to be very in tune with, okay, we can look at these men that we see as godly. We can look at these ministries that we're like, man, they are killing it. They are being successful. They are pushing back the darkness for the kingdom of Christ. We can look at those, but at the end of the day, what trumps everything we do needs to be, are we asking God, what do you want from me? And so I see so many ministries and men fall into this trap, and I'm one of those. And that, I think that's why when I first opened this letter and the first thing on it, it says, keep an audience of one, it like basically crushed me because as a ministry that is really just at the foundational point of trying to build a foundation uh, and trying to get up and running, and I'm still working a full-time job to pay the bills in my personal life. Um, we would love to get to the point where Nimrod Outdoors becomes a full-time thing for my wife and I. Um, I need to ask God, is that what you want? And if the answer is no, I want you to keep doing what you're doing, then I have to be okay with that. And, and if I'm going to be honest with myself and honest with you guys, like, I don't know if my heart is okay with being just where we are now. Like, I, 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 want, I want to do more. I want to push further. I want our, our ministry to be filled up every weekend with events. And I think most people in our world today would say, man, yes, that's, that's what God's called you to. But has he called us to that? And maybe he has. I, you know, I can't tell you he has not called us to that. I still think he has. But if I don't ask that question, I can fall into the trap of looking at other ministries, kind of doing what we do and saying, okay, how are they doing these things? Let's go after that. When in reality, I haven't even asked God what he wants from me. And so we need to always be asking, did God call me to that? And at the end of the day, who really cares what others say or do? And we have to remember that we have an audience of one. And so at the end of the day, if God tells me as a man or tells Nimrod Outdoors to do something and to the rest of the world, even, even godly people in the world, to them as well, if it looks like it's crazy or it looks ludicrous or it looks uh, like it is not what the ministry should be doing, but God told us to do it, then by golly, we need to do it. There's no questions about it. And so I think that is a big thing that we need to understand is when God calls us to something, we may not have all the answers. We may not have basically the the whole picture to the end of, end of the road. And and at the end of the day, if if he tells us to do something and there is no fruit from it, were we still successful? Yes, because we did what God called us to do. And it reminds me of Matthew 7, chapter 21. Um, and this is a verse that, man, I, I go back to all the time for multiple, multiple different things. But even in this one, Matthew chapter 7, verse 21, it says this, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, 
but only the ones that do the will of my Father who is in heaven. And so here you, you have Jesus speaking, and he's saying, not everybody's going to go to heaven, just the ones that do the will of my Father. And it, it, it amazes me because on verse 22, it goes on to say, it says, on that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, cast out demons in your name, and do mighty works in your name? And then he will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. What amazes me about that is in verse 22, these people are saying, did we not do these things in your name? And they are miraculous things. They are amazing things. They are, for all intents and purposes, godly things that push forward the kingdom of Christ. I mean, they're talking about casting out demons. They're talking about doing mighty works. They're talking about doing amazing things and declaring his name to the world. But at the end of the day, he says, away from me, for I never knew you. And the reason is, is because they didn't do his will. They might have done good things, but did they do the will of the Lord? So at the end of the day, the question and, and really the statement that, that I'm going to wrestle with, and I hope you wrestle with it too, is this. Doing good things is pointless unless those good things are what God has specifically called us to. Are you sitting down on a daily basis and asking God, Lord, what do you want from me today? And where do you want me to go? And it doesn't matter what the world defines as success. It does not matter what the world is telling us to do. If you're in the ministry world, if, you're in, if, you, if you work at a church, if you look at the other church and you try and compare yourself to the other church, you are setting yourself up for failure and it is a bait and a trap of the devil because that church may be doing great things for the Lord. That may be true, but is that what God has called you to do? We each have a purpose. We each have a calling. And if we tried to do someone else's calling because we define that as success over what God has called us to do, we are no longer in the will of the Lord. And I'm afraid we will hear, away from me, for I never knew you. Doing good things is pointless unless those good things are what God has specifically called us to. Y'all stay humble, y'all stay focused, and y'all keep pressing on toward the kingdom of Christ, being a light in the darkness in a city on the hill. Hope y'all enjoyed this one, um, and we will see you hopefully again in two weeks. Y'all have a great one. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you enjoyed the message. If you would like to learn more about the ministry of Nimrod Outdoors, find us on Facebook or look us up at nimrodoutdoors.com. We hope you have a great day, and we hope to see you next time.